myself, my name is O, O, H to the O-V, I used to move snowflakes by the O-C, I guess even back then you could call me, CEO of the R-O-C, ho, fresh out the frying pan into the fire, I be the music man's number one supplier, flying in a piece of paper bearing my name, got the hottest chick in the game, wearing my chain, that's right, ho, ho, not D-O-C, but similar to the letters, no one can do it better, you can blame Sean, but I Play it day one with Game Pass. This is a true story of Jan Martinbrook, who came out of nowhere, dreamed big enough, and came through with it. This is Jan Martinbrook, and he is a young British race car driver. My obsession as a child was to become a racing driver. He had no understanding of the racing world, apart from a video game. I started playing Gran Turismo on the PlayStation. And then when I was 19, I remember seeing it on a normal TV advert, GT Academy, a chance to become a professional racing driver for Nissan. I didn't have any experience driving anything. And then eight months later, I'm driving this car at 140 miles an hour. He's sitting on a couch playing a video game, and he winds up becoming a great race car driver. But to have a film made about it, I never thought that was even possible. I think it's maybe the first film ever where there's a film being made about someone's life and they are stunt driving in the film. Driving <laughs> <laughs> on set is very surreal. The scale and the attention to detail and the car, it blew my mind. I have nothing but respect for Jan. Being in the car is the most difficult thing I have ever done. Jan has this burning passion and desire to achieve more than what his circumstances were allowing. That is unbelievably inspiring. You ready to bring this off? Let's go. Before a race begins, anything is possible. It's like the world holds its breath. Why are you hesitating? Kelly Bear is the A2 champion! Everyone thought Aiden was going to be signed by one of the big three. Something has gone very wrong here. Every season, you want to step up. There's always something to improve. Something's not right. Okay, box, box. <laughs> This has to be a red flag. That was devastating. What a great result! I want to be the best I can be, and I want to win. And it slides out, and away we go! Do you know how I look losing easy points like this? 
Come on, you can do this. Not everyone survives in F1. You know that. Wheel to wheel, this is fabulous! The question is... Who will be... The last to break. Hi, I'm Ryan Blaney, a third-generation race car driver, and we dedicate a lot of our time to going as fast as possible. But when my grandpa was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, it was a very unexpected bump in the road for us. It's important to notice if older family members are acting differently, experiencing problems with their memory, or having trouble with routine tasks. Early detection of Alzheimer's can give your family time to explore support services, make a plan for the future, and access available treatments. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. will be the greatest spectacle in racing. This is the Indianapolis 500. And Alex Pelot leads very strong into turn one. Renus VK and Felix Rosenquist with Scott Dixon going high. Side by side with Scott Dixon there. A great move from the veteran. We got two wide all the way down through turn one as we see turn two. Now everyone files through clean gonna get, have to get up to speed here quick. Look at Pato Award on the inside. Slices up on Renus VK, tucks in behind his teammate. A forceful move, but I like the patience out of VK. Still early in this race. VK's right at the front with a fast race car. He's not gonna risk it going into turn one. As we've always said, this team shows up in a big way. The Pennzoil on board with Scott McLaughlin. Kumasato high off a of two. That was tight. Outside. And now Tony Kanaan trying to come behind. on the inside. Half inside. Power making moves, and you can see all kinds of dust in the air. I think that's from Tony Kanaan making a pass in the grass on the back straightaway. There are inside. cars going everywhere. Inside. Oh, that's, that's Stingray Yellow, 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 yellow. First yellow of the race of the day they make a wing adjustment and the McLaren guys easily hold hey Marty crash oh, Pelot is out Pelot just got hit by Rita's VK who got sideways are you kidding me wow we, we, we told you earlier that pit lane it your race can be made or lost Callum Eiler leads and the reigning champion goes right around the outside. That's Marcus Ericsson. He got three positions in the one turn. All kinds of action. Mid-pack, Rosenquist immediately to the front. But look at this three-car battle. Two Penske's and a Ganassi. Ericsson goes wide. And how about Alexander Rossi? We just saw Stingray Rob end up in the wall being that high, but after the sweepers, you can utilize that second lane. Will Powers hung out to try. Oh. Connor Daly, Scott Whoa. Dixon, four wide. Oh, he has oh, oh. contact. They sent him right into his teammate. Although if you watch the right front tire changer, he was telling Colton Herta to hold. Caution is out. What is it for? And it's for Romain Grosjean in the DHL Honda for Andretti Autosport. Uh, Ericsson will see that first and take off. Remember that last restart went crazy. Now we're just 44 laps from an Indy 500 win. What's going to happen now? Joseph Newgarden to the high side of Ericsson going to one. And Ferrucci on the outside from fifth to third in the one move. 
Pato O'Ward sits in 12th position. How Keep about your eyes Santino on him. Ferrucci, AJ Boyd Racing is now second in the Indy 500. One more stop, he's going for the lead. On Memorial Day weekend in the Stars and Stripes, AJ Foyt Racing with Santino Ferrucci leads the Indianapolis 500. Kyle Kirkwood, he's gonna have the run on Joseph Newgarden. Here comes Ferrucci, here's the battle. Ferrucci drafts up on Rosenquist who beats him out. Inside, inside for Ferrucci on Rosenquist. Don't discount Kyle Kirkwood. Here comes Newgarden on the outside of Ferrucci. The Shell Chevrolet. That tire advantage is not nothing though, guys, as we see Joseph Newgarden on the outside of Felix Rosenquist moves that shell car. Oh! Felix in the wall, big time. This is gonna be a big hit right here. I don't know if he's gonna keep it out of the turn two wall. Oh no, Kirkwood. Ooh. Kirkwood upside down. Here we go at the Speedway. The restart at the Indy 500. Marcus Ericsson and Pato Award. And here comes Joseph Newgarden. Taking the lead for Team Penske. And stacked up behind him with Joseph Newgarden. Third to first. You see them two wide scrambling. Maybe a dive down into two there from Connor Daly on Scott Dixon. Watch Santino Ferrucci and Alexander Rossi on the back straight. Rossi's in the orange car. Ferrucci goes to the high side. These two did not like each other in practice on Friday. And Ward goes to the front. Award on the inside of oh! Marcus Erickson and spins. Pato Award has crashed out of the Indianapolis 500. Green is the call here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Let's go and watch Alexander Rossi fourth car. Oh, the wrecking! Big crash. Peterson, Graham Rahal, Ed Carpenter, all in the wall before start finish. Uh oh. Green flag flies at the speedway. Palo is on the inside of Rossi, but Ericsson has bolted. Ericsson sprints away from Joseph Newgarden and is doing what he did a year ago. Joseph Newgarden has never won the Indianapolis 500 and he's ahead on this last lap. The drought, is it over for Joseph Newgarden or does Marcus Ericsson have something? Team Penske at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and Joseph Newgarden finally wins the Indianapolis 500. It's the captain's 19th win. You got him first. Finally, you got him as an Indy 500 champ. Watch the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix Sunday, June 4th at 3 p.m. on NBC.
Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to Drafting the Circuits, presented by Sinister One Productions. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about last week in racing. Joining me, Levi and Richard Eden. Fellas, how we doing? Good, thanks. Yourself? All right. Yeah, doing great. I'm well. I'm well. Yeah, Lee, yep. Lee, Lee, you've been at the racetrack all day. Awesome. So uh, we are in a <laughs> bit of a different schedule. We're coming to you Sunday night. Uh, but we're going to go over last Sunday's races. I know there were races today, but we're going to go over those uh, when we do our regular show Wednesday. And, and Lee says, be quiet when somebody yeah. won those races. <laughs> yeah, because you may not have watched those. So anyway, before we get going, uh, uh, thanks to our um, our advertisers, Forza Motorsport, EA Formula One game, uh, Gran Turismo movie. Uh, we've got that uh, great PSA. Uh, for Alzheimer's with uh, Ryan Blaney and uh, Louise Torres Multimedia, even though Louise is not around. I did run into Louise at uh, an Indy, and he had so much stuff around his neck. He looked like he was uh, strapped oh. up like John Wick, except it was cameras instead of guns. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, Louise well, not, was a busy not, guy, but, his, uh, uh, but, but I, 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 yeah, hop on his page. Look at look at some of his photos from Andy. Good, good stuff. Very good, very, very, very good, good stuff. stuff. Yeah, yep. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. My man stays busy. Wish he could be here tonight, but uh, we'll we'll hopefully have him here Wednesday. Um, anyway, so let's talk about the Memorial Day weekend races. Let's start with the Indy Five Hundred, right? So, um, you can see I'm wearing this Team Penske hat. This was signed by four Indy Five Hundred winners. And one other guy. Now this hat is signed by five hundred, by five eighty-five hundred winners, and one other guy. You know that other guy being a uh, Australian Supercar champion. So uh, he's no slouch, but um, pretty good. Yeah. Stuff. So it, at end of the day, it was Team Penske, Joseph Newgarden taking the win. I don't think any of us picked Newgarden, did we? Oh. I picked Pato. Uh, Lee, you picked. Uh, I can't even remember. It was like an, you picked Rossi. It seems like an ancient ago. I know, I right? You picked Rossi, Rossi, right? Yeah. Yep. So yep. yep. But anyway, so uh, a new garden who started well back in the field, right? But uh, honestly, had a really good day working his way up to the front, right? And he was right there when I counted, right? So uh, uh, you know, but the stars of the day, you know, guys leading. Uh, a lot of laps, you know, included, uh, you know, Ward, Palou. Um, uh, I don't think Dixon hit the lead at all. Erickson led some, didn't they? Erickson led some, yep. So, uh, yeah. but, um, yeah, it was a pretty good race, despite the thought that there might not be that much passing. But we we saw guys, um, especially on restarts, get around and turn one all the time, right? Now, we went the first hundred and some laps caution free until our good friend Stingray decided to bring out the first caution. And then, then from there it was a little a little messy and later in the race it got exceptionally messy. Right. So we you know, we had the uh, uh the red flag with uh, I believe it was like eleven to go or fourteen to go, which uh drew big cheers from the crowd. Once we got going again. Boom, here we go. Uh, once again, another issue. Um, this one between uh, Kirkwood and uh, Felix. And we'll talk about that a little more. 
And then, uh, you know, finally five to go or three to go. We have uh, a ward getting into the wall. So and this is this is this is my beef, right? It started to feel like a NASCAR race, right? Where we're going to just keep throwing the multiple reds right now. NASCAR doesn't throw the reds. They just add laps to the race, right? And say, you know, another restart, another restart, right? The IndyCar races don't go beyond their published, published, you know, distance. But that last restart was with one to go, right? So we're literally going from the pit lane to the green, right? No room up lap. Really unprecedented in IndyCar, right? Now, the guys pulled it off, but here's the, here's the issue, right? On that last uh, caution, Erickson was leading, right? So now you got Erickson leading, Newgarden in tow behind him. Um, and I, if you watch the race all day, right, guys were able to get a tremendous tow on the front stretch and get around in turn one. Nobody was passing in three or four. Trust me, I sat in turn four and didn't yeah. see any passes in front of me all day, right? Uh, and I, I just kind of <laughs> felt like, so you didn't give uh, Erickson a chance to fight back, right? And I, I honestly felt like Erickson had the faster car. Uh, but New Garden was right place, right time, was able to zoom around him, and uh, very popular win, but it is what it is. I, I, I feel like the last red was unnecessary. There's only a couple laps ago they should have let the race end organically under yellow, right? After two red flags already. But, I, I mean, you want to give these folks a, uh, you know, a show. And, and that they did. And, uh, again, Newgarden, very popular winner. Um, first American winner since Rossi, 2016. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. So, uh, very popular. And, and Newgarden, there's a guy who got two series championships, right? Penske guy, right? And we all know Roger Penske puts a lot of value on Winning that 500 for the team. Win all the championships you want, but get Roger a 500 win and, and hey, you're good. You're good for a while. Um, you know, ask, uh, ask Will, ask Simon, right? Who uh, who, who owns Indianapolis Motor Speedway? Roger Pansky. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Sorry. All right. So, uh, <laughs> so before we get into the, the meat of the race, I want to <laughs> – Give give you guys a chance to talk. Um, Lee, Lee, I know you don't traditionally watch the Indy 500 a lot, right? I do not. But but you watched this one. And I I saw very attentively. I I saw your uh, social media posts that you said, my gosh, thanks to Joseph Newgarden. I'm an Indy 500 fan for life. So uh, just tell me as a uh, first timer, what were your impressions of this race? I thought it was a good race. Uh, like I said in social media, uh, New Garden may be uh, just uh, like everything after the race. Like he ran a good race in my and from where I sat and watched it. And then his the after race celebration, just climbing up into the stands, and the absolute pure emotion that he showed was what sunk it for me. Like he, I just can't. Ex- as a fan, it's hard to describe watching his, the emotions he went through, you know, 
jumping up in the stands. It just, I mean, that's what it's all about. That's that, like that underdog story of winning the, you know, winning the championship when you're the, the underdog. Um, and it, it, I just, I did, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good race. Um, I don't agree with the red flag situation. Um, you know, so late in the race, I thought that was, I thought the first two were fine. Right. Yeah. The first, uh, dude, the third one was definitely, definitely agree with the first one. Right. And oh, yeah. 300,000 people who cheered yep. loudly. The second one, there were some groans, but that last one was like, Oh, okay. I, there's not a lot of time left. Yep. And I, I, I was questioning what, what are they going to do? Like, and as long, I think the commentators, you know, said the same thing. They were very like, well, we don't go past the published distance where, you know, you, you can't really throw a red and then come back with just one to go. So there was a lot of confu- there was a lot of confusion. And then they did throw the red flag and it was that I just I didn't understand it. Um, I thought it was probably the wrong call because uh, I I it just didn't like you said, it didn't really lead to any spirited racing to the checkered flag. It was just like a. I, it was just like a one lap sprint, and that wasn't really. I didn't. I didn't like that part of it. Yeah, Erickson um, should have had one more lap to. Yeah, reel him back been, in. To reel him back in, we should have. Should have won with two to go, right? And, yeah. But but yep. one to go, I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. So, uh, but anyway, uh, you know, people are happy that New Garden won. So, yep. um, <laughs> you know, that being said, Richard, your thoughts. We've seen this before, haven't we? This red flag finish at the end of the um, Indy 500. Well, not not three of them. No, <laughs> true, true. But I think it's you know, and I go back to the Australian Grand Prix, you know, a couple of months ago when we had a similar set of circumstances. It's what I think. All we want as fans is consistency. You know, we want to know what the deal is. Okay, are we going to? You know, say every time this, you know, every time it's a red flag, every time it's a caution. You know, what's what's the, you know, what what are we working with here? Um, I do feel it's a little bit manipulated and contrived by IndyCar here, unfortunately. Um, if any of those red flags had been on you know, accident that occurred on lap ten, would any of them have been red flags? No. So why? You know, is it right that you're saying, oh, well, yeah, this is a caution, but because it's in the last 10, it's going to be a red flag. Is that, uh, I understand. So then do it every time. You know, just have a flat out red flag the race every time there's a caution or debris on track or an accident. Just just have at it. Don't, you know, d- d- don't don't have a, a sliding scale for, for red flags and cautions because, A, you could argue it's not fair on, on you know, you know, the fans and the the, the the winner and the you know the runner up and whoever it may be in this set of circumstances. But it's it just it, it just yeah, it just doesn't sit well with me. Um and you know again, yeah, if this yeah, happened at, at, the, at the very Iowa, least, nobody yeah. care. Yeah, but but uh yeah least, see NASCAR has it written into their rule book. The overtime yeah, rules are there. Exactly. So so you so, so you know so you know what to expect, it. right? So uh, again 100%. But this is uh, at the call to mind. The first time I remember the red flag at Indy to preserve the finish under green was in 2014, I believe. Yeah. The, the year Hunter Ray won. And uh, yep. 
and of course I was at that race because I've been at them all since 94 and uh, that was a very popular decision right but then we've seen it happen once or twice again people got annoyed that it didn't happen in 2020 when uh, Dixon had a shot at getting back around Sato but you had a couple different things going on there because you had the uh, end of the pit wall was uh, destroyed you had a driver that was injured they going to need to be tended to, and then they were fighting the sunlight, and, and they're not a damn soul in the stands because it's uh, that's the COVID year, COVID. the COVID year, yeah. So, but but anyway, it's, it's what it is. I don't agree with the last red, but um, hey, you know what I mean. People are happy that New Garden won. Erickson is uh, not a happy guy because he was that close to being a back to back five hundred champion. He he ran a great race, was in the mix all day. Um, so yeah, so anyway, so, but speaking of driving a great race and being mixed in the mix all day, uh, before we start talking about this tire that almost one understands, I want to mention this young man from Connecticut named Santino Ferrucci, who the Foyt team, I know the Foyt team has been bottom of the barrel for, oh, the last several years, right? They haven't had a race win since. 2013 with uh, Takuma Sato. Um, they haven't had a podium since I think Tony got them one uh, at Gateway. Tony Kanan, that is. Um, but but Santino qualified well, as well as his teammate Benjamin Peterson also qualified well. Both these guys were in the top 12. Santino was in the top six. Santino ran a wonderful race, finished third on the day, which was a big Shot in the arm for that Foyt team, right? But I mean, honestly, God, Santino knows his way around Indy. Here's a guy who's got five Indy 500s under his belt, right? You know, what his lowest finish was 10th, yeah, 10th yeah. in, his, oh, in yeah. his first 500. Yeah, so I mean, here's a guy who's got uh Indy win or maybe more than one in his future. This is a guy who knows his way around the track, knows how to kind of keep it clean, right. You know, fewer and fewer people are still bringing up the uh, issues he had as a as a youngster in Formula Two. But every now and again, somebody brings that up. But uh, my gosh, I got to you know, I really got to take my hat off to him for his professionalism mm-hmm. and that team in general um, for just really I, punching above their weight. I think he's, um, you know, finally got that monkey off his back from the F2 days or GP2 or whatever it was back in the day when. He had that um, those issues, which which didn't exactly help him, and probably a little bit of immaturity there. And uh, you know, um, he's letting driving speak for himself now. And I know he has a big fan in Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, you know, in the commentary box, he he waxes lyrical about uh, Santino, doesn't he, uh, big time? So uh, yeah, I think he's he's obviously a raw, talented guy and uh, a very uh, uh, you know, he, in reality, I think he's a and I don't want to say this in a, in a disparaging, a nicer guy than maybe people gave him credit for after I said what went down in GP2. Oh, he's a pretty nice guy. Yeah, I've, I've met him and talked to him. Yeah, so Lee, your thoughts on Santino? I thought, uh, so he, I think he qualified P5, maybe. And I was like, so he was in the top six. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I, I, I mean, not being the biggest indie guy in the world, I was like, oh, okay. You know who's this guy? 
like I hadn't heard of him before. So I was like, hey, he just had a really good qualifying lap. You know, no surprise. He'll slide back in the race. But then he didn't. He did not at all. He stayed up front the whole day. And I was like, who is this guy? And so I'm on my phone. I'm Googling him. You know, <laughs> I'm Wikipedia. Him. I'm like, oh, he's a Connecticut guy, New England guy. This is awesome. Go get him, buddy. Like, I was rooting for him, you know, and he did. He had a really good showing. I like watching AJ in the, uh, you know, in the pits because they kept, you know, as the race started coming to an end and, and he was doing so well. I mean, there was talks. There was talk that, you know, is this kid going to pull this off? And, you know, AJ was just, he was all sorts of just happy, happy. Yeah, let's go. Uh, but he had, a, I mean, yeah, he had a really good race. I thought it was, uh, again, it was nice to see, a, you know, a, you know, I, I know who Dixon is and TK and all these, you know, the popular drivers. But to see somebody like that, that I've just never heard of to finish so well was, was a, it was a good surprise as a fan to see that type of stuff. So, yeah, certainly for the Foyt team was so, has been so down on their luck for yeah. season after season after season. I'm, I'm sure that every, every one of those crew and team members are just absolutely walking out of Indy with their head in the clouds and wow, you know, cause we can do this. Right. Um, but let's talk about, okay. Let's talk about the tire. Um, so we had the incident between Kirkwood and, uh, Rosenqvist, right? And yeah. I was, that happened in turn two. I sit in turn four, right? But, uh, so didn't quite see what happened because it's on way on the other side of the track. But when that, they put the replay up on the Jumbotron, you could hear a collective gasp. 300,000 people said, oh, when they're showing that tire that went, Oh, yeah, over the fence, right towards the stands, and missed the stands. Landed on a uh, young lady's Chevy Cruze, and Speedway was nice enough to offer her some, uh, uh, you know, a nice little experience coming to kissing the bricks and a photo shoot. Then they bought her a new car. Um, there was some speculation that they bought her a, they gave her one of the pace cars, but uh, I don't know if you drive a Chevy cruise and say, here's a Corvette. Um, you don't want to see which car insurance is going to be next month. Right. So, <laughs> but I think, I think they probably, I don't know. I don't know what they bought her, but I'm sure whatever they bought her was nice. And she was happy with it. And it uh, kept all her lawyers out of it. Um, yep. You know what I mean? So, uh, but anyway, but, but that was a scary moment. I haven't seen a tire launch like that in an IndyCar race since 1999. And we saw it happen twice then. We saw it once in Michigan uh, with tragic results. Uh, and we saw it happen at Charlotte with very tragic results and, and very uh, bad press for the series. And it was about that time they started putting the tethers on the wheels. They were initially Kevlar. Now there's Zylon, but uh, again, I haven't seen this happen in 20 years, right? Two decades. Um, So I'm wondering what failed. They said the tether didn't fail. Now, Richard, you're a a little skilled on how these cars are put together. Do you think the, did the hub assembly crack in half or, or it just, it seems like it's a fluke. Yeah, I mean, not knowing exactly how they're mounted on a on an IndyCar, so I, I can't give a, a direct answer. But I, I think what's happened is the whole assembly came off. I think 
there's one image where you can almost see part of the you know upper and lower suspension components and the drive shaft going with the tire and if that's the case if it's actually ripped itself off the uh because all the suspension is mounted to the rear gearbox the gearbox is an integral part of the car if it's failed at that point not much you can do um you know again as you know it's horrible to say but when you buy a ticket to these events you know it says on the ticket motorsport is dangerous and you know the the series organizers do everything they possibly can to protect the fans and the spectators more so than they do the drivers you know the the, the, the fans and spectators are the number one priority for uh, for the for the series to protect and keep them safe. And on the whole, they do a pretty damn good job. But um, you know, this was probably just a perfect impact at a perfect time. I mean, because if you look at it, um, which car did he hit? Whose car was did he hit? The tire was from Rosenquist. Rosenquist's car. Yeah. Right. I mean, there was Kirkwood. no other damage to Rosenquist's car. In reality, you just up this tire clean off you know it was like it, it was like taking the bit the top of a beer bottle off with a knife you know yeah, it just, like a champagne it, cork yeah it just so clean took it up so i think it just caught it at the wrong angle and you know a million to one chance and this thing just poof, just launches and you know there's only so much that indycar can do as a series to prevent this you know, unless oh, yeah. you, go you can, to you can only make the fence racer. so high, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, unless, but, you yeah. Go, unless you turn these into IMSA cars, and, um, you know, then, then what do you do? So, uh, it's, yeah, of course it made all the headlines for the, for the wrong reasons. You know, obviously we never want to see this in, in any sport. You know, we, we all know what the tragic outcome can be, you know, looking for the one in the, in the late 90s, you had, in the early 2000s, you had a couple, you know, there was a Marshall kill in Australia with a, a tyre from Jack Villeneuve's car when it went through the oh, yeah. uh, ph- photographer aperture in the fencing. And then um, in Monza, I think it was one of Takuma Sato's tyres, um, went off into the, and, and hit a Marshall who was stood in an un- unauthorised area. And, um, you know, it, it's terrible. Uh, but there's only so much, you know, there's only so much you can do and you have to understand the dangers of the sport. I mean, I, I hate to say this, but if you take from, you know, when the last time we saw this at Charlotte in the late 90s, there's probably more people unfortunately killed driving to IndyCar races in their own car than have been by flying tyres. Uh, oh, easily, as it, yeah, yeah. Horrible as it sounds to put it in, those con- in that context. Uh, but it's like when you know it's like flying. You know, it's the safest form of transport until you see one of these things fall out the sky, and then everybody's, you know, you've got to look at the bigger picture, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, hopefully they'll understand what it was. And as I say, I think it was the complete assembly mount that failed rather than any tether. Yeah, yeah, and again, yep. like I say, I haven't. What what they've done has been really effective for, you know, the better part of two decades. And this is I haven't seen that in a while. But uh, again, it was a scary moment. Yeah, when, when we were watching the the replay on the jumbotron, I didn't know where that was thing was going to land because it no. was going straight towards the stand. And when it cleared the stands, it was like collective gasp. So, all yeah. right. So before we move on and talk about the other races, let's talk about Arrow McLaren. Here, here's the guys coming into Indy with guns loaded, right? 
man, you know what I mean? They had uh, all, all their all their cars up near the front qualifying. They had cars near the front during the race. But at the end of the day, all they're left with is a lousy fifth place and a couple of wrecked cars. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to say, man, look at the effort. These guys are here for real. Right. And then this, uh, they're, yep. they're, they're, yeah, they're not to be trifled with, right. Oh. They're not to, I mean, you know, we talk about the, uh, the big three, right. It could be the big four or could still be the big three. Cause uh, Andretti is not quite <laughs> yeah, worthy of the big three anymore. So, and speaking of Andretti, you just, I just wanted to just throw this out there. Cause I had just thought earlier today, did you ever notice that who's ever calling strategy, uh, whoever Brian Herta is calling strategy for gets the best results of the Andretti drivers. Cause it was Rossi, right? Yep. Then it was Colton. Uh, this year, Brian Herta is calling strategy for Kirkwood and not, not his son who won a race this year. Kirkwood. Yep. I'm just oh, saying, yeah. I'm just saying, yeah. uh, <laughs> Brian Herta is one of the unsung heroes of, uh, the IndyCar series. Um, that guy is really excellent as a strategist. So, but that was way off topic. We're talking about McLaren. So, Lee, so I Rick, think, I I think McLaren. I mean, they are they have pushed the chips all in on this. I mean, they're uh, I forget who he is with the company, the chief engineer, oh, chief Zach Brown, whoever. Zach yep. Brown, Zach Brown, Mrs. Yeah, Monaco, basically. Mrs. Monaco, the biggest F one race. Probably most prestigious F1 race of all time to go to Indy. <laughs> well, like I mean, is, have, have you, you seen that does, have you seen McLaren's uh, from one team's performance versus their Indy cars? Yeah, yeah. Where where is there a bigger chance of a celebration? Indianapolis. Right. You know where yeah. Zach Brown is from? Yeah. Uh, the, the USA. Yeah. Yep. He's an American guy, so I, yep. I was pleased to see Zach. I think you know, a lot of people think Zach is, uh, you know, they, they say disparaging things about him, and I won't say non-radio friendly words about him. But I, 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 I like the guy. I, I think, you know, I think he's got the cojones to just go in and get what he wants. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I thought that was a pretty big statement seeing him there. You know, American or not. Um, yeah, that was a pretty big statement in my eyes. Yeah, wasn't uh, Alonzo driving for McLaren when he skipped uh, skipped Indy as well? Yes, when uh, Jensen Button jumped back in his car and uh, right, peed right. in the seat or whatever he threatened to do. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Alonzo, yeah. So uh, what, what other stories coming out of Indy you guys want to touch on before we move on? Because um, I, I know that there's a ton. Yeah. Think we should move on. Next. 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 Yep. Next. Next. Okay. All right. Monaco Grand Prix. Yep. Hey, Richard, the qualifying was more fun than oh. the race. You know, so, it, uh, they should make it, Monaco a time take us, trial. Take us through that uh, qualifying session. My gosh. Yeah. Monaco should be a time trial. Get rid of the race. Don't need that. Make it a damn time <laughs> trial because it's phenomenal. If you want to see. Especially at Q3, eight minutes or whatever is ten minutes of, of the world's best drivers at the limit in you know not just missing the wall, 
you know, brushing the wall and just, you know, oh, phenomenal skill. And for that 10 minutes or so in Q3, you can't beat it. it it's breathtaking. It's edgy VC. It's everything it should be. Um, you know, you saw mistakes, you know. Um, Checo crept under pressure from, from, from Max, you know. Made a mistake going into Sandoval and, and blew his chances of a good, strong weekend. We all know how critical qualifying is in Monaco, and he just never made it work. Uh, you know, and again, Max did what he had to do when he had to do it, in the same way that Hamilton used to do, um, you know, all those years when he was dominating the championship. Uh, so, you know, you go into that situation where, you know, Verstappen knows he's just got to keep the car on the black stuff and he's going to be okay. Uh, Alonso had another strong qualifying performance to end up in. Uh, I think he qualified P3, but ended up going being promoted to P2 after Leclerc had a, a, a blocking penalty or or vice versa. I know Alonso ended up starting in the top two and um, had a you know a strong race. He was pushing Max to a certain extent, and then what two thirds of the way through the race, uh, the rain came, which is fantastic. Uh, you know, Monaco in the rain is is like watching Bambi on ice. It's it's fantastic, and um, you know it does speak volumes for the the downforce these cars can generate, the grip the tire can generate, and the skill of the drivers. There's only one guy that really struggled to keep it on the on the you know in the straight line on the in the rain, and that was Lance Stroll. He uh, he had a couple of um, you know a couple of issues there, and I think. Uh, uh, George Russell had another issue as well, but uh, on the whole, they did a great job, and it was it was fun to watch. Um, but you know, it's Verstappen did everything that, you know he could be asked of again, um, and you know we all uh, you know we all sort of in the last few years we've we've known Max as this guy that can do phenomenal laps and loves the car you know, on the limit and almost like Senna-esque from in the 80s. But, you know, Max is maturing into a more of a, a Prost-style driver who just beats out lap after lap after lap at, at really, really solid, high-paid slaps. And nobody can compete with that right now. Alonso may have been able to, but unfortunately when they went on the, uh, when the rain came, they'd actually pitted for, for dry tyres, probably a lap before, before they could have made that call to go on to intermediates. And that, I wouldn't say that handed, well, it handed Verstappen the race because he, he didn't have to worry about anything after that. For Alonso, it certainly lost him the opportunity to to push Max. You know, it's a 20-second penalty, basically, for, for pitting on the wrong tyres out there and then having to come and change the next lap. But, um, you know, that was a shame. But what can, you know, the, you're starting to run out of superlatives for for Max and certainly for Red Bull. And um, I think that it, you know, it highlights again what we saw that weekend, why, to put it bluntly, why Checo isn't going to be a world champion uh, this year. And, you know, if, if Max keeps at this performance and this level, uh, you know, he won't be for, for, for the remainder of his Red Bull career. I don't think anybody can. Max won't be beaten by a teammate. Max will be beaten by another car. And here's the thing, right? So, uh, if Checo's not careful, Alonso's going to overtake him in points because mm-hmm. he's right there. And, uh, uh, you know, if, if Max is winning every race, Checo should be second every week. Yep. Um, the thing is, uh, when Checo wins, 
Max is second. Yep. No, you know, no, you know, no more, no less. Right. Yep. Um, Checo might be eighth, tenth out of the points mm-hmm. when uh when Max wins and Alonso has been right there every race, right? Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And, and of course Alonso on a podium again, P two yeah. this time. Um, gonna wonder what's wrong with Lance. <laughs> He's not Alonso. No. So uh, it's it's starting to um. Yeah, it's it's not it's not looking great, you know, for Lance. He's the you know, Alonso you know, Alonso ain't stupid. He's saying all the right things about how, you know, where he's where he you know, he knows where his paycheck comes from and who signs that check every week. Um so he's saying all the right things about Lance and how he's oh Lance can lead this team to be future world champions. Yeah, yeah, okay, great. Well actually it's his dad's money that can lead the team to be future world champions, not Lance himself, I'm afraid. Um and you know, you look at Alonso. Okay, he's he's probably got a year or two, maybe. I mean, look. No matter what Max does this year, for me, Alonso's driver of the year so far, anyway. And we're what a, a third of the a third of the way through the season, a quarter of the way through the season. Um, you know, Alonso's been phenomenal at his age to come into a new team. And yeah, they've got a good car, you know. So you can't deny him that. But to come in and do what he's done um, is Phenomenal, you know. There's there's no other way, you know. I think that sabbatical that he took helped him. It, it re-energized him and rejuvenated him. Um, but to come back and be able to perform at the level he's performing at, and to you know, be a be an annoyance to Red Bull, should we say, <laughs> rather than a rather than a threat, um, has been been phenomenal. And and for 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 all day, you know, for my money, Alonso has been been driver of the year. So far, um, you know, if you you really think about it, Alonzo was doing more with less. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, because Max is given the the top of everything, right? He's he's got the best car. uh, He's got the best team. They they got a lot of money. uh, And he's realistically the best driver out there. So Alonzo was doing more with less. So, yeah. So I would say just just off of, you know, who is – Really performing, Alonzo has uh, been yep. incredible this yep. year, and this is a guy who's supposed to be on his way out the door. Yeah, put out to pasture. Yeah, and he's he's refound that whatever it is that he needs. You know that 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 motivation, that um, passion for the sport, and I think you know he, he's he's been notorious, should we say, for 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 bad timing and judgment of career moves. You know, the move to McLaren from Red from Red Renault didn't go well. The move to Ferrari didn't work out. The move back to McLaren didn't work out. You know, there's been I mean a lot of opportunities out there, but maybe he's got this one right. And and who knows what if he can maintain this level of fit, fitness, which I think he can because he's an extremely fit athlete. You know, he owns his own off-road racing bike team, so he, you know, he's working out you know extensively. Uh, if he can maintain this level of performance, then. You know who knows what could happen in the next two or three years if uh, if Aston Martin can can deliver on their promise of of aggressively recruiting engineers and um, heavily investing in their facilities. I mean, this last week they just opened their new uh, operations centre out at uh, at Silverstone, which is you know state of the art. You know, so probably the best facility in Formula One right now for for developing cars, and they've been 
as I say, reasonably aggressive with some of their hiring. So, um, yeah, you know, this could be the right time for Alonso there in the next couple of years. How, How old is cool Alonso? How old is Alonso 41? right now? 41, so he's 41, right? So you got, yeah. if you look at, you know, contrast that to like IndyCar, right? You got guys out there like Kanan, <laughs> who's 47, and Elio's 46. Yeah. Kuma's 46. And these guys are still viable candidates. You figure, yeah. you know, and these guys are still as fit as can be, right? Oh, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah all those guys. So, uh, yeah. yeah, so uh, there's no reason to assume that Alonzo is going to go anywhere soon. No, it, 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 it does book the trend a little bit of Formula 1. I mean, I can't think of many drivers uh, a, a in the last... A little bit, yeah. You know, I mean, Schumacher, when he came back in 2010, was, was knocking on that door of the early 40s. But outside of that, you know, and obviously there's Nigel Mansell in the in the mid nineties, you know, when he tried to do his thing in ninety five, which would fail pretty miserably. But typically yeah, could, a former... could, could, couldn't quite fit in the car, could he? No, no, there's a slight issue there. Yeah. Um, but you know, typically Formula One drivers have typically followed that sort of retirement age band of, of a lot of other professional sports in the in the mid to late thirties. Um but you know, Fernando, I mean he's a you know, he is um He's something else, that guy. He is, he's on another level. And um, I there was a uh, Oscar Piastri was interviewed about what you know, what whose whose career would he most like to emulate? And uh, he said, you know, Fernando Alonso. Um, and he was asked, well, wouldn't you want to emulate somebody like Michael Schumacher or Lewis Hamilton win seven championships rather than two? And he's like, yeah, but they won those in the fastest car. Alonso won his two arguably in cars that weren't the fastest and had to work really, really hard to get those. Um, so I think uh, definitely, um, you know, Fernando is just, it's just one of those guys that just oozes talent and it's, God, it's disgusting. And it's the only Formula One driver that ABBA has written a song about. Well, I mean, and, and I don't think he ever really dated Taylor Swift, but I'm sure she's got at least three albums <laughs> worth of material out of this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man, Lee, you got any comments on Monaco? Did you get a chance to watch it or I uh did not get a chance to watch on. it. I DVR'd it and when I went to go watch it, it was in Italian. And I don't understand it in Italian. Hey. So. <laughs> it was hey. the, I watched I watched about ten laps of it and I was like, that's the weirdest race, I gotta turn it off. But where'd you where'd you where'd you DVR it from, man? I do I so I I have uh a streaming service and I DVR'd it and it says ESPN on it. And when I went to listen to it, it is an Italian and it has Italian commentary. It's not dubbed. It's Italian commentators. And I was like, interesting. Yeah. So, yep. So I've got to figure out, I, I got to figure out a way to fix that. So. Or, or, <laughs> or, you, or you need to learn Italian. Yeah. One or the other. So might be a well, look, if, if you type learn of Italian, if you learn Italian well enough, you go work for Ferrari. Yeah. Or you could yeah. become an expert in the Italian touring car championship. I there yep, yeah, five years <laughs> <one> too. <laughs> uh, well, one quick comment before we uh, move on from Monaco. About a month before the Formula One race they had the Formula E race in Monaco. And there was no I think I think there's about nine <laughs> lead changes at Monaco in the Formula E race. Now, they have slightly different rules admittedly, and they have the like the, the fan boost and they have this you know, ability to give the car extra power and, and yada, yada, all this sort of stuff. 
But um, I think fundamentally, the reason why you don't see much overtaking at Monaco is that if you compare the size of a Formula E car to a Formula One car, these Formula One cars are massive. I mean, they just don't fit. It sounds really stupid, but they, they, they literally do not fit fit around Monaco. They're way too big. And yeah, yeah. For a Formula One car currently has a longer wheelbase than like a Chrysler Town and Country soccer mom minivan. Well, they're huge. Yeah. They're massive. And Can you even huge. get two of them side by side on the streets? <laughs> You're struggling. You are struggling. Yeah. But you look at the Formula E car is smaller. It's tiny, um, yeah. And, you know, they had some great racing there, some really, really, really high-quality racing. And um, so it's not Monaco per se. I think it's just a combination of the car and the track. Um, you know, so maybe they need to look at that. But they're not going to build special cars just for Monaco, that's for sure. Well, I mean, even even in the 80s when the cars were small, it was tough getting around. Yeah, but you also you I remember look at the it 80s was... and you'd be like, you'd have two seconds between first and second in qualifying. Now you've got one and a half Ex- seconds yes, between first exactly. and 20th. Yeah, so yeah. I think you'd benefit a lot more now from a smaller car than you would back in the day. You know, you, people reminisce about how good the racing was in the uh, in the 80s. And you look at, you know, there could be like eight seconds between pole and 20th. Whereas oh, now easily, yeah. One and a half seconds, you know. Yeah, but I, I want to say stuff. it was the uh, the great Nelson Piquet who said uh, Monaco is like riding your bicycle in your living room. Mm-hmm. And then that's outside. That's outside he felt the circuit was. So either that or Nelson Piquet's got one hell of a living room. Well, he probably does, man. The man has yeah. money in the bank, yeah, right. So, all right. So, uh, and the funny thing is, like. <laughs> We could. This is now where we would ordinarily make our picks for next week, but heck, those races were today. I think I, I've got a really we, uh, good pick for Barcelona. I think I've got this one. Do you think, Max? <laughs> <sighs> Can we go at second yeah. place? I'm going to pick Lewis Hamilton. Okay. Oh. All right. You guys are terrible. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the, <laughs> I just it's just weird we're here on Sunday and um, <laughs> not talking about that what is. happened today. So. Yeah. I'm, try, I'm trying to stay away from the news more or less, right? You know, yeah, uh, I do. I that do one slipped a, out. Sorry. Uh, that's all right. So uh, I'm sure somebody else watched it leave. So, <laughs> so let's, um, let's go to Richard's hometown. Let's, let's move on to Charlotte. Nope. Okay. Your current home. Still no. Close. <laughs> Close. Hey, you live in that metro area. No, I'm about an hour north of the metro area. <laughs> okay, well, it's... Seth's metro area. There we go. Let's get let's bring Seth into it. Oh, somebody gets Seth in here. All right. So there we go. anyway, so let's talk about the uh, the 600 mile <laughs> race, <laughs> where and uh, some of the penalties come out of that. So, uh, uh, which one of you guys wants to take it away? Go ahead, Richard. Uh, okay. Right, so, I, I um, literally, I literally the, need to step away for just about two seconds. Not a problem. Uh, my dog is here barking at something. I got to see what it yeah. is. So, yeah, Coke 600, NASCAR's longest race. And, oh, boy, did that uh, drag out. It's. Um, I, I think there's going to be at some point in the in the not-too-distant future that NASCAR are going to look at the, 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 the concept of a 600-mile race, which, which takes a good end of five hours to run. I mean, it's... Oof. It's a drag. Uh, you know, we were 
I was on vacation and uh, our plane was taxiing to the runway when the, the flag went green and two hours later we landed and uh, there was still 250 lap rate, uh, 50 laps to go at the damn race. It's like, jeez, come on, guys. Let's yeah. uh, let's sort this out. You know, it's not a good look for the sport, really. And, you know, back in the 50s and 60s, whenever the, you know, the Coke 600 started, the, the reason was, you know, you'd have 600 miles was to prove your reliability. Well, every damn car can finish the race now. You know, back yeah, then it was a, it was a, it was a race of attrition back in yeah, the day. back then you had 40, 50 cars that started and ten had finished. Yep. Now you've got forty that start and by bar Chase Elliott taking you out of the race, you've got forty that finish. Yeah. Yep. Uh, like so, I mean, I saw a lot of right turns in this race for an oval yeah, track. There was, there was a, a lot of right turns. There's a couple. Yeah. Yep. A couple um, of them. So and uh, yeah, that that was obviously outside of, you know. Arguably the fastest car winning, you know, Ryan Blaney. The Fords have been a little bit off the pace in the last month or so. And, uh, but, you know, fair play to them. They they got the job done this week or last weekend in Charlotte, well, not even the weekend, Monday. With the rain, it got pushed back to the uh, holiday Monday. Um, yep. And, you know, they got the race, you know, they, they got it done there. They, 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 they certainly made the car perform the way they wanted and they made the right changes at the right times. And, uh, yeah, he, he came away with the win there in you know one of NASCAR's flagship races. So congratulations to Penske team and, and, and Ryan Blaney there. But um, one of the big talking points from the weekend was um, the numerous coming togethers between Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott. Uh, a couple of times, Denny got a little loose on the on the low line and, and, and slid up the track and made contact with Chase. Now. You could argue the intention there, but I, I genuinely, into these circumstances, I don't think it was a, a deliberate move by Denny to slide up the track into Chase. And you know, Chase is an experienced enough driver to know that if you're on the outside of somebody uh, going through, you know, turns one, two, three, four at Charlotte, um, if you're on the outside there and they do get loose on the inside, they're going to slide up the track into you. I'm sure he's done that to many guys over the years, and it's just part of racing. If you don't want to take that risk, then you you don't try and pass somebody on the outside. Um, the second time this happened, um, I think it was just unfortunate that it happened to the same guy twice from, you know, from the same guy. Um, Chase um, retaliated, hooked Denny on the uh, right rear corner. Denny hit the wall head on um, in the trioval going into turn one. And it was a big hit. Um, if you see the in-car image or the in-car video that they showed on the live TV screen, live TV feed. Denny was very close to hitting the steering wheel with his head. Very close. You know, there's no doubt in my mind that the hands device saved him from serious injuries in that incident. Um, tellingly, NASCAR hasn't put that clip out on any, on any of its official replay channels. They've got on-car footage looking out the windshield. They've got all the garage or all the sort of normal TV cameras, but they, they haven't shown that um, TV in-car because it was, oof, that was pretty brutal. Um, and as a result of that, Chase was suspended for one race uh, for the racing gateway at St. Louis this weekend. In the same way that Bubba Wallace was suspended when he turned Kyle Larson, um, you know, we were talking in our, in our little chat group you know about this a couple of days ago and i have a big issue with this sort of behavior um you know these these drivers uh and athletes and sportsmen um they are 
the best of the best without any hesitation. And what comes along with that is a extensive level of responsibility. Um, yep. They are, you know, influencing, you know, young kids. And you look at the behavior that you've seen, not just in the car, in the car, when you, when you, I'm not excusing Chase Elliott, what he, what he did. He should have, should have done better. He should have known better, but let's draw a line under that. Where I have the issue in, in NASCAR, especially, is the behavior of the drivers off the track. And, you know, you've seen two or three physical confrontations this year. Um, you know, is it Chastain and Gregson got together? Um, yep. There was a clip of um, uh, was it Eric Amarola pushing Bubba yep. Wallace. Bubba Wallace on the round delay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was another one earlier in the year where somebody, you know, swung, a, swung an arm at another driver. If you or I did that in the street to somebody, we would be arrested and charged with a common assault. End of story. End of story. And you see it in every other, you know, or not every other, but a lot of other sporting fields. You know, you see it in, you know, you've seen it in soccer matches in Europe. You've seen it in NFL games where, you know, players, you know, and yeah, there is that heat of the battle moment and the adrenaline's going, but then there's also the time when you've had a chance to settle down and calm down where it all comes to a head. And that, that is an area that I have a big issue with from NASCAR. They have a responsibility and they have a, um, a need to portray behavior. You know, these kids are, these guys are idolized by young kids. And to see them swinging a right hook at somebody because they rubbed fenders, nah, this ain't good enough. NASCAR needs to step in and and do something about this in my book. And it's it's a it's a dangerous precedent, I think, they're setting. I agree. I agree. I agree. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. So you could have said it better. So I have nothing to add. Nothing. <laughs> I the old the added saying, the old added saying is rubbing is racing. In my mind, rubbing's racing, but wrecking yeah. ain't. Yeah, no. It ain't racing. That's just, no. there's no need for it. I mean, no. it, what Chase did, you know, just, he should have been better in that situation. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that little, it's that mosquito. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. it just, you know, Jenny got under his skin and and Chase just didn't do the right thing. And then Bubba being pushed in the pits on the rain delay by Eric Almarola. I don't know where that came from. But yeah, again, a bit of. And, you know, but Bubba's one of these guys that wears his heart on his sleeve, and I don't have yes, a problem yes, with that. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yeah. Uh, yep. I think I think one of Bubba's flaws, and uh, yeah, I've worked with Bubba a little bit, and you know, he he needs more confidence in his own ability and be less yep. disparaging on himself. You know, he's very harsh on himself. He makes a mistake, and you know, he he really, um, you know, it, it lets him affect him really badly, and maybe it shouldn't do because. At the end of the day, when you've got a 36 race season, you know, you're going to make mistakes. Everybody's makes mistakes under those circumstances. So, but Bubba does have a lot. He does have, he care, he carries a lot of weight. Not he does. just, he does not just in a, a, as a, not just as part of, you know, 2311 as a driver for them, mm -hmm. but he carries a lot of weight because of who Bubba is. Like, yeah. first of all, he came out of Xfinity. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, a gangbuster. And then all the social issues that he has to carry across his mm-hmm. shoulders as well. He's got a tremendous amount of pressure there. And I mean, he does wear his heart on his sleeve because he's passionate about what he does. Right. And um, any, anything he does, right, no matter how small, is scrutinized by the media. Yeah. Uh, fairly or unfairly, right? So if he if he steps out of line one little time, it's, oh my God, what Bubba do now, right? Yep. But yeah, he's certainly so, uh, starting to he's certainly starting to let his driving do the talking. These last, I mean, I think he's been, uh, and obviously we're we're you know we've got ten laps, fifteen laps to go in St. Louis here, and he's you know got another top ten. But you know, I think he's been the top five the last five races. Uh, know, yeah, he's, he's really he, did, he did well. Well, Charlotte, I want to say yeah. he was. Uh, Star race. Yeah. yeah, he was in the top five. So he's putting a really good string of results together. And that's what he's got to start to do to to back up that potential. I mean, the guy's got two cup race wins. Um, certain certain circles don't credit the first win because it was rain shortened. Um, when you also mentioned that I think Dale Earnhardt's Indy, the Daytona 500 win was rain shortened, that uh, doesn't get the same, same response. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he dominated Kansas last year. You know, the guy's... He's he can drive. Top, top he can drive. drive. And uh, you know, he's there's a lot of weight there, as you say, Lee, with the <coughs> twenty three eleven setup. You know, there's a lot of eyes on that team and um you know, that they're wanting to grow, they're wanting to expand, they're wanting to, to be a real force and not somebody who's seen as a uh, a second team to JGR in the Toyota camp and uh, you know, they're going about it the right way. So let's see what uh, let's see what happens. But I really hope that uh, Bubba can get some really strong results, uh, you know, on the board, and uh, you know he can prove what a talented driver he is because there's no doubt he has an exceptional talent. Um, and again, you know, NASCAR, you know, I, I really hope they start to start to take something, you know, to take this seriously because under their their um, personnel protocols, and I'm not saying this is right either for being in a professional environment, but if you're a team member with a hard card, which is a you know, uh, uh, your entry into the NASCAR garage, which is a something that is, is a very expensive for the teams to buy. There is a substance abuse policy, and in some states, recreational drugs are on that substance abuse policy. And if you are, t- you know, a drug screen is carried out, you will be banned from entering the NASCAR garage. Now they take that seriously. Person, my personal opinion is that they also need to start taking this physical violence seriously because we see too much of it in society and they're just brushing it as off. You know, we, I will tell you right now, you know, when, when Chastain, you know, took Gregson out, that will be the most viewed video on YouTube from that race, far more than any other race I like. Yeah. All right, fellas. So uh, guess what? We are, we we are, we're up against the <laughs> end of our hour. Okay. <laughs> But I do, I do need to give a shout out to somebody who's in the chat here. Okay, says uh, John Maloney is watching. All right, John Maloney is my uncle. Right, so uh, my, my, got uh, you into the Formula V cars. Exactly, yeah, John. John and his younger brother Huey have. Uh, they are the proprietors of Maloney Racing. He's. Yeah. Uh, they are the. Uh, Michael Andretti of uh, Formula V. They they field as many as five and six cars, right? But uh, uh, you know, John. Um, oh, golly, when I was young, John's uh, military background, right? Uh, when I was young, John got um, deployed to Germany for a while, right? 
John had the coolest card I'd ever seen in my life. And I'm a little kid at the time, right? He had a black 1964 Volkswagen Beetle, right? He asked my dad to, uh, if he could keep the car at our house while he was over in Germany. And it was like, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, uh, that was one of the coolest things we ever had, you know, with that, uh, had that Volkswagen Beetle while John was over in Germany. So John, thanks for tuning in, man. Uh, you know, I saw, um, now John's son, Jack is like their lead driver. And, and Jack's won a couple races this year, won several races over the years. Uh, Jack actually has a, um, SCCA trophy at his house where he was the rookie of the year for the Northeast of Pennsylvania region and the list of all the other rookies of the year before him. One of the guys on that list is, uh, Michael Andretti. Yeah. Whatever yeah. became of him. Formula, Formula one reject, right? Yeah, that's the guy, right? So, uh, so, uh, John, <laughs> thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening to us. I, I know he usually, uh, always gives me a thumbs up when we post the show, but I think it's the first time he's tuned in live. So, uh, awesome. John, John thank, thank you so much, man. Love you, buddy. All right. So, uh, but until next week, all right. So next week, not even next this week, week, this week, Wednesday night, we'll be back live. We'll go over, uh, talk about the Detroit Grand Prix Formula one from Spain. Lee has a full report from an NHRA in New Hampshire. Right. And then, uh, yep. we've got, uh, uh, gateway, gateway. race, Gateway race, it never ends. So, um, but until then, I want to thank uh, Citizen One Productions. I want to thank the Ubuzu Radio Network. I want to thank our sponsors, Forza Motorsport, uh, Turismo Movie, EA Sports Formula One, Louise Multimedia, Louise Torres Multimedia. And I know I'm missing one, but uh, again, I also want to thank um, iHeartRadio, Facebook Live, YouTube and uh, Spotify till next week, guys. It's been fun tonight. Uh, enjoy yep. the races and uh, we'll talk to you in just a couple of days. Good yep. night. Have a good one guys. Catch you later. See ya. Thanks for watching draft in the circuits. Make sure to follow draft in the circuits on Facebook, Spotify, Twitter, and YouTube draft in the circuits is a coach. Sinister one production.